All right, this is Jared with episode 28. I uh, want a newer shooter's perspective with Deejus Wood. Deejus, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, how's it going? Um, I am Deejus Wood. I am from McPherson, Kansas. And uh, I would say that, yes, I am a newer shooter to the centerfire world and NRL 22, for that matter. Yeah, but I think you had, you had shot a few NRL, NRL 22 matches before you started doing the centerfire stuff, right? Uh, yes, for the 2020 season, I did a full season. Um, I started out actually at Longhorn Rimfire with uh, Garrett. Yep. And then uh, I started to transition over because it worked better for my work schedule to the Rice County Sportsman's Club. Al Sowers is the one who runs that one. Yeah. And then this last match we'll get into a little bit, but we just we shot with each other. And I think that was what your second center fire. That was the second time I have yep done a center fire match. Yeah, because your first one was where? Where was your uh, one month ago, Severance Training Center for the opener of the Kansas Precision Rough Club. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they've both been at STC, huh? Yep. All right, so we kind of got into it. You're, you're newer center fire shooter for the Precision World competitions, but who is DJ? What do you what do you do to to fund your uh, obsession or or rifle? Uh, my rifle addiction as my wife would call it yeah same here yeah what how do you uh, how do you fund it okay so um since 2017 i have been a senior production operator um at pfizer the pharmaceutical company uh they have a plant here in mcpherson so as a senior production operator basically i maintain the machines um take care of them uh actually run production on it so you've probably been busy here lately. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Pfizer's been in the news. I'm not sure if that's part of what you do, but definitely been um, in the news. Yeah, sister line along the lines, yeah. Um, yeah. Not exactly my full room. What I do is I do uh, sterile injectables, um, and I do stuff like morphine, hydromorphone, um, more of the controlled products. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely – like you probably been busy then. Yep. So what what drew you? So even the NRL stuff. What drew you to precision rifle, to the NRL, and then to the center fire world? Um. So originally, when I started shooting, probably three years ago, I I hadn't done really any shooting until about three years ago. Um. Oddly enough, uh, my wife was actually the one that kind of was like, "Let's get into guns," and then <laughs> took off from there. And then started doing some handgun stuff and then was talking with a buddy at work, uh, Jordan Bush, and he pretty much got into the, I want to do some long range stuff. And so that's what kicked it off. Nice. And we kind of, kind of got in. So you're, so obviously you started with the NRL and did all that stuff. What, what is your, uh, so we can actually talk about both of them. What are your competition setups for your, your 22 rifle and your center fire? So for my uh, NRL 22 rifle, it is a Voodoo V22. Um, it is got the uh, Kakuri 18-inch barrel. It's in a gray bow stock. Um, 
I run a Bushnell DMR Pro 2 scope. And then a uh, recently just got released from jail, a uh, an AB Little Bird suppressor. It's kind of a neat setup. It's the same diameter and color as the barrel. So when it's actually on the rifle, it makes it 24 inches and you can't really tell it's a suppressor at all. It just looks like part of the barrel. Really? That's pretty slick. I'll check that out. Yep. AB Little Bird. I actually won that at an NRL 22X match um, in Ralston, Oklahoma. AB Little Bird. Yep, I snagged it off the prize table. Yeah, well, that sounds like a pretty good pickup there. Yeah. So what about your – obviously, I saw we, we squatted together. We'll talk about some of the competition later, but you obviously got a real nice setup for your centerfire. What's your centerfire setup? Yep. So for this, um, I realized that this was a sport that I wanted to do after doing the 22 stuff that I really want to jump up to the big leagues. And um, I went full bore. I had uh, Jake Schur build me a custom rig right off the bat. It's a impact action with a Bartlin or sorry, not a Bartlin. I wanted a Bartlin, but that didn't work out. We didn't have one in time. So we went with a proof uh, competition contour. Seven and a half twist, a six creed more. And then through that in a manor stock. And then the scope I went with uh, was the bigger brother to the DMR off my um, voodoo. It's the XRS2 from Bushnell. Yeah, and you, you were shooting a suppressor this weekend too, weren't you? Uh, yes, I was. It is a Silencer Co. Uh, 36M. Right. Yep. I love that can. That was my first can. I've run it on everything from a nine millimeter uh, PCC to uh, handguns, uh, my bigger AKs, um, everything, and no point of impact shifts that I've noticed. And it's very quiet. Yeah, it's real quiet. I was amazed at how quiet it was. Some of them you get at least a little bit of noise, but it, it was shooting real quiet. It seemed like it was real nice. And you were shooting, I think. What you said? You were finishing off your factory ammo that you had this weekend? Uh, yes. Originally, um, last year I had bought 300 rounds of Prime, the 107 grain in six Creed. And I had just finished the last bit of it off at this competition. So I will start hand loading and uh, using those for next month's match. Yeah. Are you going to reload your uh, Prime brass? Yep. 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 Oh, it's the Peterson brass. I'll reload it. Um, yeah. I got some bench rest primers. I'll be running uh, Vapor Trail bullets. Um, Tom Jacobs, I believe, is the owner of Vapor Trail. Yeah. Um, I got appointed to him by Sure and a uh, really good guy to work with and got enough bolts to last the life of the barrel. So I should have a very consistent setup. There you go. Yeah, that's what I did with my – I bought a bunch of prime ammo when I first started for my 6.5 Creed morning shot all the prime and started reloading it. So yeah, you're, it's not going to hamper you at all. That's for sure. So my next question was, when did you start shooting in general? But it sounds like, is that your wife that got you into shooting all together or just the rifle and the competition setups? Um, no, it was pretty much her saying, let's go get some handguns. We got handguns. And then that just quickly turned into an addiction. <laughs> 
we have a indoor range here in town, treasure chest. And, um, we just started shooting there every week. One thing led to another. Nice. That's, that's always what I've been trying to do is get, if I can get the wife and the kids into it, I usually end up spending quite a bit more money on a hobby. Uh, yep. I, is what I figured out. So it sounds like you've already got the, the jump on it. Yep. All these years later, she's still better with a handgun than I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, well, you get talking to a lot of people. There's a lot of people that, that say that, that females or women in general are just are better at, at shooting any sort of gun just because they, I think you get kind of focused on one thing. Like you get focused on the target where women can focus on other things all at once and can, you know, really multitask while they're shooting, which you really need to do, especially in this game. And yeah, they can, they can be a lot better shot than, than a lot of the men. Yeah. I would have to say the one thing I've noticed is that if I don't shoot a handgun for a long time, I have terrible groups and just like not pressing the trigger. Right. But her, she can go three months without shooting a gun, pick it up and still just be right on target. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife's the same way. She likes to shoot pistol more than rifle. She'll go out with me though, but we went out, we went out to uh, STC not long, long ago and took a, took our neighbor out and her and Amber were out there. And of course this is, I've had, ammo kind of stocked up i think she had a box or two and uh took both boxes and they they shot all 100 rounds in 30 minutes or so and then started shooting some of our extras that we brought out but yeah they having a blast you wouldn't have thought my wife hadn't picked up a gun in two or three months and she's out there hitting every target she's aiming at Mm -hmm. so so obviously when you get start when you got started what was the best precision shooting advice, or even now, obviously not when you say, what's the best precision shooting advice that you've gotten so far that you would pass on to somebody else? Um, I would probably have to say that training is more important than gear. Um, I kind of don't abide by my own advice on that, but I will have to say that I have seen shooters that do not have the best gear and they are 10 times better than I will ever be. Right. Yep. Have you and done then, any formal training? Um, as far as precision stuff? No, I have not. Yeah. Same here. I did. I took a, what well, was Conway led at the time now STC. I did their reloading class and, and done a couple of those things. I haven't taken any precision rifle classes yet. I definitely want to get in on some of that. So like you said, you can chase the gear, which I'm the same way. I have about a ton of different muzzle devices and muzzle brakes, some other gear kind of piling up. Well, we got to talk about some of it. The, the plate, I had a plate that I was using this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I still need to get one of those. Some of that stuff. But yeah, I think the class would definitely do me well. I just got to figure out what class I want to go to and get the time and all that stuff. But yeah, class. I would never tell anybody not to take a class. I tell them to do that before buying the gear, obviously. But <clears throat> yep, that is that's probably my number one piece of advice is training over gear. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully STC will get fired up with some more training or I can get down to JTAC or somewhere. Get mm-hmm. some training knocked out. I've heard very, very good things about that JTAC course. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to beat four of the best shooters in the in the world all in one class and a two-day class you know so 
Yep. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything negative about it at all. Um, let's see. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Um, as far as center fire, uh, that's a tough one. Well, in 22 as well. What What do you wish you, you knew from the start? Probably um, probably scopes. I was not a firm believer in spending a lot of money on good glass. When I first started, like with my 22s, I had started off like the lower end, like the Athlon Argos and stuff like that. And I mean, they did okay. Um, and then like I had like an Athlon Midas tack on my first center fire rifle I ever bought that um, I worked with. Um, and that's what I learned to shoot on. But once you start bumping up to good glass, it really does actually change your ability almost. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same way. I, I could dial, I could change my magnification. I started, in fact, my first, first precision gun was a, a Savage 6.5 Creedmoor and I had an Argos on it to begin with. And then I went to a Gen 1 Razor and then I just upgraded from there. And yeah. I mean, it's hard to understand because I was the same way, but it's hard to explain and understand that you've got to see your, your impacts and your misses and, you can have just an old regular Remington 700, but if you got some good glass on there, you're going to be, if you have the ability and the will, you'll, you'll be able to compete with the guys with the custom impacts and stuff like that. Yep. But yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to understand and hard to explain. But that was, I was, I was the same way. I wish I would have just spent the money on the, on the glass and then built the rifle around the glass, but. I usually do yep. do things the hard way or the expensive way. And that's how I, that's how I end up doing this as well. So, I mean, it really proves the meaning of the phrase buy once cry once. Yeah. Yeah. Buy what you can afford, but if, I mean, it pays dividends to save up and, and try it. Well, you basically did it with the rifle piece of it. You saved up, you talked to sure mm -hmm. with the impact, the proof, the manners, like, in the long run, that'll be cheaper than like I did buying, buying the Savage. It can't kite hang or do what you want it, what I wanted it to do. And then I sell it for two thirds of what I bought it for. So I lost a little money there. Yeah. You definitely did this piece the right way. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, I wanted to do center fire last year, but I was so involved with NRL 22. I just didn't have time to do center fire. So I did, I, I saved up for a year. And then just as soon as this season hit, I went out and got a good one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where am I at here? Oh, your biggest fear. What's your biggest fear when you've started NRL, the 22 or the center fire? Like what, what held you back or what was your biggest fear to get started? Um, probably just coming into a new environment. Um at least with when I did the 22 stuff, I, I was shooting with like Colby Hett, um, and I've known him for a long time. And so at least I had somebody that I was familiar with that I was able to do it with. But coming into center fire, I did this pretty much on my own. I really didn't know anybody coming in. I mean, I've quickly made friends, and it seems to be doing good. But, yeah, just that getting out there and actually just going for it, getting to the match and actually participating is probably the hardest thing.
But yeah, yeah. See, mine was the same way as there's there shouldn't be. And now that you're in it, I, I back me up on this if it, if it's true. But getting into it, there's an intimidation factor. Like I'm the new guy. Everybody else is so so much better than I am. But then you get into it and everybody started the same place that you or I started when we started. Yeah, but I couldn't say it better myself. So, you know, you're going to go out there and you might hit only a quarter of the the targets you were aiming at or trying or, or timed out on every stage, but everybody was there. In fact, I think Beamer told a story on here. He, he went to his first one way back in the day, and I think he had like one or two impacts for the whole match. Yeah, so, he told me that same story. And look at where he's at now. I mean, he's in the – in the top three, at least, of every match that he's in. And, well, for the KPRC and national matches, he's he's been in the top 20, top 10, top five. So everybody's been the new guy. It's just hard to get over that whole intimidation piece. Yep. In fact, I have to give a shout-out to Bryce. I'll have to tag him on here, but he he stuck around. I kind of I kind of messed around. I got to talking to Todd and some other guys messing around after the match this weekend. It got kind of late, but he stuck around and actually hit me up so that he'd been listening to the podcast. And, and I kind of talked him into, into coming out. In fact, he was using a Savage internal magazine, like, and he still come out and ended up taking, I think he said he got fifth in the amateur division. So he, he did real well. So Bryce, a little shout out to you. Thanks for sticking around. In fact, I should have, I should have given you some stickers or something. I had some on me. So next match, Hit me up again. I'll get you some stickers. But Bryce, that, that, you made my day. I didn't shoot so well, but you made my day. Tell me that I was able to talk you into coming out there and you're enjoying it. So give Bryce a little shout out there. Um, so that's, it's kind of the same for him. I'm sure it was intimidating at first, but he come out. I told him the story that when I, when I first started, I got one of my uh, – actually, he was my chief on base. I worked for him, and he come out and had a – a uh, Browning and uh, his internal magazine. And I was telling him that only, I think he only had four rounds he could carry in his magazine. So he had uh, ammo stuck up in his hat behind his ear. Like people carry a pencil sometimes behind each ear, just had him shoved all over the place, trying to load him after he, he'd shot his four. So, but he got hooked as well. So don't, if you're listening, don't let the gear hold you back. That's, that's not how it works. You come out, people are going to help you out, going to loan you gear, let you do whatever. So I'll have to get Bryce on here, let him talk about it too. That's um, what's, what's your biggest regret now that you've you shot your, your well, your second center fire, center fire match? What's your, uh, your biggest regret? I'd probably have to say probably just not doing it sooner. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's almost everyone's like, I was, I've been here, well, since 13. I didn't really get into it till 18. I wish I would have known about it. So, it, I mean, it just wasn't, I didn't have the exposure. So now, you know, trying to put this on, get to get the word out, get the exposure so people know about it that don't know about it. And then, yeah, I wish I would have just started sooner. Uh, yep. That whole intimidation piece, I would have just got over myself and and went out there and, and did it. So, yeah, that's my biggest regret. And then some of that stuff, yes, yeah, not like you talked about, not saving up and just buying once. But of course, I was new at it and I knew best. So, got the savage and started with that. But 
But yeah, don't. That's my biggest thing. I, we talk about buy once, cry once, but don't don't hold back. If you've got a rifle that that you can load and come out, and you got the dope for. You got to have. I mean, you got to have some sort of scope that you can dial. But come out and shoot. Don't let it hold you back. Because you'll be sitting here, my like me and and you saying, "Yeah, I wish I would have done it or done it sooner." Yep. When I first started the 22 stuff, um, I had a Ruger precision rim fire. Um, and that was a really, really good gun. Um, I've heard they're hit and miss, but um, Colby, he has one and he's going to nationals for NRL 22 for base class. So okay. I mean, they can, they can shoot a lot of that's probably still the shooter. Cause I didn't ever feel like I was very good with it, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have all that good of gear. So I went out and just tried it and had a blast. Then, eventually upgraded uh, went actually to a Bergara B14R um, tried that out while I was waiting on the voodoo and then that actually eventually became my wife's gun she shoots in her all 22 with me too when she can make it yeah nice I'm trying to find a one of the new uh, Bergara 22 left-handed I'm trying I'm waiting on one of those to come around see if I can't pick one up just for a little trainer and be able to plank with. So if anybody knows where I can get one of those in stock, let me know. Yes. Those, uh, those Bergaras, man, for within a hundred yards, I don't know if many people can shoot the difference between the Bergara and like a Voodoo or a Remex. They are yeah. so good for that hundred yard. Now for when you're talking, stretching out to like X where you're at almost 400 yards, that's probably where your voodoo and your Remex is going to start to really shine. Yeah. What would you, uh, what would you tell others that are on the fence about coming out or apprehensive? Like we've kind of talked about it, but how would you try to get them out if they're listening right now and they're kind of on the, on the fence like we were. So if you say you don't have the gear or just aren't ready yet, come out and just watch spectate um you can help call shots you can help even if you don't want to do that i mean you can just watch hang out talk to people learn about the sport um and then say you don't have any gear there are people that would be more than willing to offer you some gear um i even know some people that have loaner rifles basically all you do is just cover the cost of ammo and then you can shoot a rifle for the day yep yeah, there's a lot of people. In fact, you come out and talk to people. Usually there's there's guys that in fact I've told the story, but one of the one of the first custom rifles I shot was Beamers. And it was at Spear Point, one of my first matches. He had four or five rounds left over, which usually everyone will have a few rounds left over after the match. And almost all of them are trying to keep their brass on the same firing cycle. So if they load a hundred, it's a ninety-six or ninety-seven shot match they'll load 100 bring 100 out well they'll shoot those last four even after the match just to keep everything on the same cycle mm -hmm. which i did too i had three of them left over and i shot them after the match this weekend but if you talk to people and you let them know which is what beamer did for me he had four or five left over he's like hey man you want to shoot my gun like well yeah i want to shoot i saw how he shot of course i thought i could do that and i shot his and it had me hooked my first rifle, I tried building exactly like his at the time because I was hooked. I could see, I could see trace, I could see impacts, 
of course, he was shooting a six dasher compared to a six five Creedmoor, and I my gun weighed about half as much as what his did. So I was looking at the, the stars every time I shot. But that's what that's what got me hooked was four or five rounds left over after a match of beamers, and and he had me hooked. So yeah, come out, watch, talk to people, tell them it's your first time. You never shot a custom setup like that. And I can almost guarantee someone in that group, at least, if not the person you're talking to, is going to have rounds over left over, and they're going to let you shoot those last few just to get a feel for it. Especially if you come out and find me, I'll definitely do that. I always have leftovers, extras. Sometimes I have three. Sometimes I have ten leftovers. So if you're on the if you're on the fence, come out and let me know. In fact. Are you a lefty? Do you just no, I'm right-handed. You're right-handed. There's someone I saw out there, another impact obviously was a lefty. Can't remember who it was. I couldn't remember if it was you or not. But if you're left-handed, I mean you obviously shoot. I shot right-handed rifles my whole life until I can finally afford some left-handed rifles. But you come out and you definitely shoot my last couple rounds that I have left over. Um, let's see. I've got a couple more. We'll go off script here that I sold that I sent you. But what do you think about the match this weekend? What was your? Uh, I usually do a uh, like a match recap. So if you got time, go yep. through a match recap if you if you want to. If you got time to hang on here with me. Yeah, I got plenty of time. All right, cool. So usually I go through like what was your uh, favorite stage, and then what what was your favorite stage? Why was your favorite? And then kind of explain it for people that weren't there what the what the setup was for that stage. Um, I would have to say my favorite stage was the last one we did, the bowling pin stage. Yeah, I like that. That was mine too. So go ahead, tell tell them what the setup was. Or so, um, little backstory on that. Um, my barrel had sped up about two stages before that. Um, we were shooting at that 900 yard target, and I was hitting way over the top of it. And then we we're like, oh wait, this barrel has 150 rounds on it now. I bet it sped up. And so we did the conversion. And yeah, I was about half a mil high at 900 yards. So uh, going into the next stage after that, um, I missed almost all of those shots because I was still trying to figure out where to put my uh, Hornady Ford off. And so I just wasn't really confident going into the bowling pin stage. And then um, on the stage before the bowling pin stage, I had realized I had dialed wind for the other side of the range on that stage 10. And so then I pulled the dialed windage back out of my scope and yeah, I went, I believe it was eight for nine on the bowling pin stage. Uh, last shot I took was after the buzzer. So I didn't go nine for nine, but considering oh, yeah, I, I remember had, that because you, you hit that ninth one is just after the time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was blown away because I didn't know where my dope was supposed to be for that. I wasn't sure on my windage, but I mean, I got that first impact and knew where to hold. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was probably my favorite. That was the only one that I cleaned obviously, but those, that first and second bowling pin were small. Oh yeah. I mean, there was no error for windage on those. Yeah. Cause I think it was, the first one was 198. Someone will listen and say 198 yards. That's not very far. Well, this thing was like a mil or, or a mil, a tenth or maybe two tenths wide. So it was, yeah. it's a small bowling pin. And then the other one was, I think, 300 something. And the last one was 400. The 400 was, was pretty generous size target, but we had to do it. So it was a nine round stage. 
he did one at the basically the 200, 198 yards, but he did one at the 200, one at the 300, one at the 400, um, like modified prone off the bench. Then you did one off the rail and yep. then uh, went down true prone off the top of the deck in, t- yep. in two minutes. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty stoked about that one too. I've been, wind had been messing with me almost all day. Uh, one of yeah, my other that, favorites. Well, oh, go ahead. I was say like that wind was definitely something I was not used to. That was pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. The wind was for the majority of the day. It was kind of a north wind, so it was, it pushed you left, pushed you right, pushed you is a is a head headwind. So it pushed you left, pushed you right. It's kind of a, a pain to deal with. Obviously, some people had it figured out. Todd had it figured out. He he shot great for the day. So. Some people had it figured out. It was just messing with me the whole day. I couldn't really get it straight. But uh, my other my other favorite stage was I can't remember what number it is now. Maybe eight, nine, seven. Shoot off the rooftop. Then we went to the scaffolding, and then we went to the poles. Oh, yep. I like I like the movement. I like the movement ones where you, you're picking up, putting down, picking up, putting down. And I can't even remember where I think I went. I think I went nine out of ten or eight out of 10 on that stage. So I shot well on it, but I like, I like the movement piece. So that one was fun. Um, what about your uh, least favorite? Obviously you had some um, speed issues that you're trying to figure out. So now what was your least favorite stage that you'd, you'd like a mulligan? You'd like to go back and give it another shot. Um, I would probably have to say the troop line. So like the second to last stage we did, yeah. I was still trying to figure out where my dope should be for that point. And yeah, I just, I didn't have very many impacts on that one. Kept missing high, kept missing like just over the shoulder. Yeah, that was a tough one. I think I, I think I went six for 10, which and some people, it's not bad. I, I wasn't happy with it. It was a, I think it was 300 to 700 yards, a, like a 66 or a 50% Ipsic. And then you went to a real small, like a 33% Ipsic if you hit the big one. And yeah, I was, I was hitting my first ones, missing the set. I just, my wind wasn't right. I wasn't seeing my impacts. The targets were pretty well beat up. So I really wasn't seeing my impact on the first shot. So yeah, that one kind of had me, had me fired up on that one. But uh, what else, what else, what did you think of the whole match setup, the layout, course of fire? Um, I thought it was really good. Um, I had a lot of good practice um, doing the positional stuff. Um, I was not expecting a whole lot of prone, which we didn't get, so that was cool. Um, I also was pretty pretty happy to watch the pros go first. You can pick up little hints, little tips. And then by the time it was your time to go, I mean, you had at least two, three pros go ahead of you, and so – you pretty much had down a good game plan before going into it. Yeah. I like, uh, I like that. So, well, they considered me a pro, but yeah, I watched Beamer and I watched Ron and trying to see what they were doing. Like, Oh, maybe should I go that way? Should I go a different route? And yeah, I think any match I'm trying to watch the people in front of me go and see what, see how they're running it. I, I try to come up with my own game plan. And sometimes they even, it's my bitten myself. It's, oh, I'm going to try it their way instead of sticking with my game plan. But, you can learn a lot just from watching people, watching their impacts and which way the wind's blowing, the dust off the off the target, or if they miss, which way the wind's blowing and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I think it, the way it was set up, 
this go around is real cool. I think it, I wish more people were to come out more, more amateurs or first, first time shooters or whatever, because it was a, a real good setup and course of fire for folks that had never shot. I mean, everybody's going to get impacts of some sort. Yeah. Um, I really was a big fan of the two minute time frame. That's more of what I'm used to in RL 22. It's a two minute time frame. Uh, that first match I went to for center fire, it was the 92nd time frame, and you just had to be moving constantly, just railing shot after shot. Otherwise, you were just timing out. Yeah, yeah. I think Beamer had a chip on his shoulder that first time. I have to get, had to give him a hard time. Was yeah, there were there were some stages that were man. I timed out on quite a few of them. Like yeah, you you had to be moving on that first STC. So it's, yeah, two minute time part times were nice. Um, and I'm sure there's still people that timed out, but it, yeah, it was, that was nice. Um, I like this piece because it wasn't only the pro-am, but they'll do the same course of fire at the end of the year, the exact same setup. So other than obviously environmentals, weather and wind and stuff like that, you shoot the exact same course of fire at the end of the year, see if you improve, see what changed, um, different approaches to, to your setup and, and game plans for each stage. So, yeah, this is a pretty cool deal that they, they set up like this. Um, did that you end up pulling it? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that, that sounds really neat. I didn't guess I didn't realize they did a second match. You could see if you improved or not. Yeah. The second one. So they kind of call this one the pro-am or even the baseline. I don't think the second one's really going to be a pro-am setup. They'll probably just, everybody will basically set up the same, but they'll do the same course of fire. And then you go out and you run it. And if you get a chance to run the second one, and you ran the first one, you get it. You see where you compare. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I'm glad yeah. they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty cool setup. How they how they've done it in the past like that. Did you uh, pull anything off the prize table? Um, I was the second to last person to go, and I just really kind of wanted the vortex hat. Yeah, what was left? I was like, hey, I'll take a free hat. I love hats. Yeah, yeah, I. I ended up snagging some stickers, which is probably the last thing I needed, but I'll throw them on my toolbox or do whatever mm -hmm. in my reloading room. So, yeah, some of the folks like um, Ron and Michael, Augustine, they, they end up picking up that Matchmaster that, that Love had put on the prize table. There's some folks walking out with some presses, and um, I think there's a Manners cert in there. So, yeah, there's some people that walked away with some good, some good, good stuff this weekend. Yeah, it was definitely cool to see a prize table there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was a good time. Definitely. Some of the newer shooters got to walk away with some, with some stuff. So good, good time for them. Get them, get them to come out more often, get them, you know, something to look forward to. Um, let's see. What's your next match? What's your, what's your plan for your next match? You already got it lined up. Um, yep. I believe it's going to be the next one at, uh, STC again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to make another K KPRC for a little while. I got, I'm diving into the national match scene. So I'm going down to, to Oklahoma, not next weekend, the weekend after, and then actually going to Derek's match in New Mexico a couple weekends after that. So is that the one at the NRA center? Yep. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. That's going to be a big one. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Sure. I just, I'm sure it'll be a good time. Yeah, I'm yeah. going with, with Chris and Chad too. So that's I mean, it's gonna be fun just go out there with those guys and shoot in New Mexico, 
going to Oklahoma match with Chris. So it, it'll be a good time. See a lot of people. Oh, hadn't, seen sure. in, hadn't seen in a while. So that's, I mean, that's part of it. You just get to hang with like-minded people that like to shoot guns and really have basically the same uh, morals and thoughts that, that you have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I went down to Ralston, Oklahoma for that X shoot, um, that was, that was a great time. That was probably one of the best times I had shooting was down there with them guys, them Okies, man, they're good people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they can, yeah, they're all around good people and they can shoot. I don't, man, some of them Oklahoma ain't, folks. But. Yeah. Ain't nothing much to do down there except for shoot. So they're good at it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And they're, yeah, they're good at it for sure. So we, we can get wrapping this thing up. Uh, anything else you'd like to add that we didn't cover? Any shout outs for anybody? Um, yeah, I'd say probably had to give a shout out to Colby Hett. Um, he's awesome. He lets me shoot at the range behind his house. Um, he's gotten me a little bit of, I guess, mentorship to be the best part of it. Uh, showed me how to shoot the 22 stuff right way, how to basically do precision rifle shooting. I'd have to give pretty much all that credit to him. And then uh, Todd Williams, he's helped me out. I've picked up a lot of tricks shooting 22 matches with him. Yeah, that, yeah asking Todd him questions. shoots a ton between center fire and 22. Oh, for sure. And then, of course, got to give a shout-out to Sure. Builds a hell of a rifle. Yeah, old, old Jake. I've had him on a couple times. I, in fact, I got I to gotta pay it forward. I got to use a, his a, a uh, sling. So I'll have that on here. In fact, I got Todd coming on. Probably the next episode, Todd will be on. I think get Jake back on here for some some gunsmith stuff. Awesome! I definitely have to tune in for that one. Yeah, but all yeah, everybody you mentioned on there, great great guys. Uh, I don't I don't have many shout outs. Chris with Kansas Arms Supply. He's he's been hooking me up. I got got some stuff on the way for a second gun, which my son just told me this morning or this afternoon when I got home that he wants to go out and shoot with me. So just in time for me to get second gun set up. So hopefully I'll be able to get Jay, my son out there shooting with us here in the near future, get him set up. Have you thought about doing the NRL 22 with him? I, I have So he's, he's left-handed too. So it works out well for me, but I want to get, I'm kind of like you, like I want to get to 22 stuff and I definitely want to get into it, but I'm, I'm holding out to try and buy something nice. So I'm trying to get, like I talked about the Bagara, at least probably won't go with the, the full blown Bagara, just the uh, um, barreled action. And then I'll put it in, in something that I have around here. Yeah. And I've got a couple scopes that I could throw on it, but yeah, I definitely want to try and get the 22 just because it's, it's cheaper. It'd be great to get my son and daughter into it. And I think part of it is, well, the weight of the rifles that we're running now, especially for my daughter, she's, 90 pounds soaking wet so the weight i think the sound is part of it it's kind of intimidating for the kids so i think the 22 would be absolutely right up their alley oh yeah I, for sure if i can get a decent one i i don't know i've debated on getting a voodoo or a remax so i can't quite bring myself to spend the money on a 22 that i i know we're gonna shoot center fire and i want to spend more money on the center fire stuff so I'm just I'm kind of hold, trying to hold out for that Bergara. I mean, I would recommend the Bergara 100. percent Yeah, yeah. She's Chad's got one, and I've shot his, and 
Yeah, I, that thing shoots lights out. He's got barreled action as well and got in a different stock. He, in fact, I think he bought the whole rifle and ended up selling the the Bagara stock and put it in, in one of his. It's more like his competition rifle. But, yeah, that thing shoots lights out. Yep, I have uh, my Bagaras and the HMR stock that it comes with and put a Vortex Strike Eagle on top of it for my wife. And she shoots it with the SK Rifle Match, the red box. Yeah. And that thing, it'll pretty much group, if not the same, but almost the same as my Voodoo at 100 yards. And it, <laughs> went, it actually went and had it lot tested at Lapua. They put it in the fancy high-tech tunnel and put, 10 different lots of SK Center X through it, or the, not SK Center X, but the Lapua Center X through it and lot tested it. So I got a whole case of it and at Bergara shoots almost as good, if not the same. Yeah. See, that's basically a single deal for me then. I'll just wait for Bergara to come up and try and snatch one of the left-handed ones up. So another thing, Bergara just dropped their new one. It's the, I believe they call it the BMR. Uh, the Bergara micro receiver, something like that. And it's a 22 long rifle, except it's a, it's lighter, smaller. Um, it actually fits inside the rules for base class. So that's another option. And they're a lot cheaper. The whole rifle, I believe is $500, maybe $600. Oh yeah. I'll check that out. See if they do anything. Yep. They might have a left-handed model in that one even. Yeah. I'll definitely check that. Cause yeah, if I can, I want to do it on the super cheap, but it, I mean, that's the whole point of me getting a 22 is just to do a little bit cheaper training and, and for the kids to plink a little bit, get them, get them fired up and interested in it. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Anything we, anything we missed, anything you want to throw out there that we may have missed or I forgot to add. Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. All right, man. I'll let you off here. I appreciate you coming on, giving your insight. Hopefully we get some new new folks coming out after after listening to both of us ramble for a little while. Yes, thank you very much for having me on. It was a good time. I was a little nervous at first, but uh, you're very easy to talk to. Yeah, yeah. I get a, a few folks, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I've never been. Oh, man, we just sit on here and BS a little bit and it ends up recording it and it goes good. You did, you did very well. I have to have you back on here after a yeah. while and, and see if any of your answers change or or how it's worked out for you. Perfect. All right, DJs, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, you too.